0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts Podcast, episode number 18, coming at you on June 30th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts Matt Nine and Andrew Woodruff. Uh, today we are going to begin our division previews. Uh, starting with the AFC East today, we'll go through the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots. And the New York Jets give you uh, our opinion on these offenses and and where we see them for 2021 and really just dynasty, um, you know, and beyond. So while you're listening, remember, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. If you're not sure, head on over to ffballallday.com. We're pumping out regular articles over there. Go uh, give us a look, read some of the articles and, hang out with us for the next hour or so while we take you through the AFC East. Let's get into it. division previews with the AFC East today. We are going to start off with the Buffalo Bills. uh, Pretty explosive offense. A few big-time players in that offense. Matt, let's start with you. Why don't you give us a rundown of this Bills offense?
1: All right, so I think this Bills offense is going to look pretty similar to what it did last year in terms of Where the yards and the touchdowns are going to be going. It's going to be Josh Allen and it's going to be Stephon Diggs and it's going to be a committee of everybody else. Okay. So last year, looking back, they were their win rates, uh, run block and pass block win rates. Their run block win rate was 69%, which ranks 29th in the league, which is towards the bottom. But their pass block win rate ranked 63%. Four, oh, it was 64%, which ranked fourth. So they were top five in the league last year in pass blocking. And you're like, that kind of makes sense because they threw the ball a lot last year. You know, Josh Allen had 45 total touchdowns. Um, I think he get. – I'm not sure he gets back to 45 again for 2021, but I think he's going to get close. So I, I would say a safe 38 with definitely the upside to hit 45 again. Uh, their run-pass ratio, they were one of the pass-heaviest teams last year it's 59.2% pass and 40.8% run. So they are going to throw the ball. Now, I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of big talk about Gabrielle Davis and why, why people are high on him, and then there's others that are not high on him. And I am, for one, I am not high on him. I think it's a fluke. I think it is because of some of the injuries that we saw take place last year. Uh, John Brown was running ahead of Gabrielle Davis, if you remember this, and he got injured. Uh, and he only played nine games while Gabrielle Davis played all the 16. Now in those 16 games, Gabrielle Davis caught 35 balls. Seven of those were touchdowns. That's 20% of his catches were touchdowns. And as we know in fantasy, the touchdown rates completely unsustainable unless maybe you're the true wide receiver one. Now is Gabrielle Davis the wide receiver one? No. Stephon Diggs, clear cut one. Next question. So who's that two
2: this year? Well, Cole Beasley got was second last year in targets, 101 targets. So I think he's the clear two. They paid Emmanuel Sanders six million dollars. You know, after John Brown left, you know, if they were content with Gabrielle Davis, then why did they go out and pay somebody six and a half million dollars to come in? So maybe Emmanuel Sanders takes that number three role uh, that John Brown was holding, bumping Gabrielle Davis back down. Now, of those 35 catches that Gabrielle Davis had, and those seven touchdowns, he only saw 10.8 percent target share that's not a lot like at all. Like that's just true role player. You know, he caught the balls that were thrown to him. Good job, but there's no consistency there that you're going to find on a week to week basis. Uh, Now let's break it down. He had 135.9 fantasy points last year, 31% of his points, a third of his points came from the touchdowns. Again, touchdowns are not reliable. So he had, let's do that do that quick math, quick math 42 93 he had 93 points last year on just yards and catches if you play in ppr half ppr however that however that comes out for you so again i'm looking at the depth chart right now i'm seeing gabriel davis is the wide receiver four and maybe the wide receiver three at best i, I don't think he's better than than what 31 year old emmanuel sanders i mean emmanuel sanders was getting peppered last year by uh, the combination of Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and, and company, so I think he's an easy sell high uh, for me. And I think the the Bills are going to continue to sling it. You know, I'm looking here through their free agent signings. The only one that really stands out to me is they signed Forrest Lamp, who's a guard, and uh, according to pro football focus uh their grades for him he's been in the league three years he's been one of the worst run blocking guards in the entire league in three years but he's been uh better than average of pass blocking so that kind of lets me know he's like hey they're gonna still throw the ball so even though they went out and they i guess bolstered their o-line they're still gonna throw the ball a lot and josh allen is still your running back one uh last year Uh, When Zach Moss and Devin Singletary were both healthy, they each received roughly nine and a half carries a game, and they combined only had one total 100-yard game. The Bills have no running game. Josh Allen is the QB one for the Bills. He's the RB one for the Bills. Stephon Diggs is the wide receiver one. Those are really the only two players that I have any interest in. And I've seen trades right now where Gabrielle Davis is going – I saw somebody pay the 112 for him. If that's happening, or even a future one, one, 22-1, 22-2, a 23-1, two years from now where somebody's like, oh, I can recoup that value. You need to smash accept on that because at the end of this year, you're going to be sitting there going, why didn't Gabrielle Davis perform? I mean, I have
0: have questions, but I figured I'd wait until –
3: I'll say so. Like, there's a lot right there I understand and agree with. Um, I think honestly, I wouldn't even con- be concerned though about the Emmanuel Sanders signing because looking at it, I think Buffalo did it more as a depth move. If we go back and check in 2020, their offensive personnel grouping sequence, uh, a lot of the times, I mean, a lot of the times they went in a 1 1 formation. So they had one running back, one tight end, and that left three receivers on the field. Like, so much so that they were 71% of the time as a three receiver set on the field that's an extremely high rate yes you got a young second year guy that you're going to pair up there with Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs but you've got to have that depth Emmanuel Sanders is a great guy to bring in as a depth play you've got the rookie they drafted uh, Marquez Stevenson and then Isaiah Hodgins who um, I heard some buzz last year before he went down with injury as well so I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is someone to worry about, but if you can find somebody giving you any second or first for Gabrielle Davis, I definitely understand the appeal, especially if you can get a 23 first out of it. My goodness, that class is going to be loaded down the road. Um, I'll say not a lot of arguments with that Matt. You sat down and laid the case out pretty well. I know a lot of people last year were telling me I'm crazy when I did a thread going Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss what to do with the Buffalo Enigma backfield. And I was telling people, I was like, do not take Singletary in the fourth round. And so many people said that is a way better value than Zach Moss was over in like the 10th rounds for most of the drafts. And he was even going later if I wasn't the one in the draft. And at the end of the season, it came back to hurt you because Singletary was going to get 142 points across 16 games that he played. So I'm personally avoiding the backfield for the most part, but if you're looking for a death piece, uh, let's go ahead and add Zach Moss. You can make it a good touchdown game two out of him, two games possibly, and then just use that to flip for a trade for somebody that you actually care about. For the most part, this is going to be the Josh Allen-Stefan Diggs show. There's a reason why they're the number two contender in the AFC right there behind Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Those would be the two guys I would think you need to look for for any reason.
0: Yeah, I just want to follow up on I I don't know how valuable Emmanuel Sanders will be to this team on the field. I think they potentially signed him as a guy who's won Super Bowl, a Super Bowl and and been there uh, a couple different times. But I do agree that I, I think Davis, Beasley and Sanders will all kind of cannibalize each other and you won't know exactly when you're going to get the production from any one of them you know it could just depend on the week and you don't really know when you know when one's gonna pop and when one is not I think I think Davis I do think Sanders coming on board has kind of hurt Davis's value so I almost think he's more of a hold because I do think he's a capable number two for this offense in the long run but At the same time, yeah, if you can get, like, that first-round pick or even, like, an early second, I would say definitely accept that. And then I know you guys both hit on the running back situation, but just to kind of take it a step further, I just want to – I did – I put up an article on ffballallday.com on running quarterbacks and their effect on their running back counterparts, and – just to tell you how the Bills' offense has been over the last three years. So I have the Bills' last three-year averages and the NFL' last three-season averages, and the their their QB rushing yards over the last three years have hit 533 with 8.7 touchdowns. The NFL average is 263 with 2.89 touchdowns. So significantly more rushing production, that much is obvious. But in terms of these running backs, the overall rushing, yeah, uh, just, just totals and volume is so far down that when it's a committee as it is, I don't think you should be touching either of them where they're going. I would just rather have other guys around them. So the last three years, they've averaged 326 carries a season. The NFL average is 348, so they're getting 20, we'll call it what, 22 less touches or, or rushing attempts, I should say, per game. They're averaging 1328 rushing yards a season, so 1,328. The NFL average over the last three years is 1,508, so significantly less rushing yards. They're averaging just over five rushing touchdowns per game, the NFL average is is 11.4 in that time span so six six less rushing touchdowns um and then even the targets and the receiving volume is way way down for this team um and their running backs as well they're they're getting about 200 less receiving yards per season uh these running backs are than the nfl average and about two less touchdowns as well so Essentially, I think this running back core is just a complete stay away. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are the two guys I'm mostly interested in. Um, do you guys see any breakout potential with Dawson Knox? Are you even at all interested in him? I know he was he was somewhat of a trendy name but hasn't really broke out. And I don't know if you know, between Beasley, Davis, Sanders, I just don't know if there's enough to go around after after Diggs dominates the targets and, and those three are involved.
2: Yeah, so during OTAs, I, I read a little spiel from the, or the Eagles, good Lord, the Bills on what they will want to do. So this is year three for Dawson, Dawson Knox, right? And I know mm-hmm. the the quote was some on the staff, I don't know, it's the tight end coach or one of the assistant coaches, something like that said, we really like, I'm paraphrasing here, we still really, really like him and we're going to do everything we can to get him involved in the offense. Um, so I think there could be, some maybe third year breakout appeal, but I feel like it's going to be one of those things they're going to, they're going to try some stuff. And if for some reason it's holding the offense back or it doesn't click, then that's it for Dawson Knox. Like, I don't, I don't think that he's going to last. I personally don't think he's that good. Um, he's not in a system that really favors the tight end. Maybe at his next stop, I think he would, he's only 23, 24, something like that. So maybe at his next stop, um, his next team, he'll, he'll, you know, produce a little bit more, but I I am not on board with Dawson Knox for, for 2021 at all, really.
3: Yeah, he's out for me as well. I mean, I just, I don't think he's going to get the targets necessary to be even considered a top, honestly, 20 tight end by the end of the year, unless you're depending on some crazy touchdown efficiency coming out of him all of a sudden in year three, which uh, it's just not something I would want to bank on. I'd much rather go and take the sleeper value of getting Cole Beasley if somebody's feeling a tight end premium, man, I've got to have this tight end, trimming Dawson Hawks. Like if there's any other piece outside of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, when it comes to the Bills offense, I'm going for the slot receiver that's going to work them underneath.
0: Yep. I completely agree. Uh, one other thing I just want to mention before we move on is this team did sign Matt Breida. Um, not that he's a game breaker, but I just think Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are just not good at football. So I'd actually probably be more interested in picking up Brita for free than spending anything to acquire Moss or Singletary and just hope that Brita, you know, can unseat those guys and, and, and kind of flash
2: and be more explosive because neither of those guys are. So, so really, really good call Brita has some electric speed. He does. Yeah. And I yeah, want to he... clarify something real quick. Um, sure. Just, you know, rewind a little bit. Now, when I say that Gabriel Davis would be affected by Sanders, I'm not saying that Sanders is going to be fantasy relevant, but when we look at Sanders, what kind of routes do we think he's going to run? A lot of shorter stuff, maybe a lot of stuff under 15 yards, cross the middle, slants, not a ton of downfield stuff, right? Well, Gabriel Davis last year, 40 of his 61 targets were 10-plus yards downfield, and uh, 20 of those, half of those, were 20-plus yards downfield. So he was really limited to probably goes and deep posts and and corner routes and stuff like that. So what's not to say moving into, you know, 2021, because we know throwing the deep ball, those are the hardest to complete because quarterbacks got to be accurate, receivers got to be open and make that catch And generally there's a defensive back or safety draped all over you. So what's not to say that the guys in 2021, you know, watch the tape over the summer, they're playing him a little bit better, they're playing him closer and stuff like that. Like, it's just, I, you know, I don't see his route tree expanding because they signed Sanders. And I think Chad, you nailed it on the head, you know, it's digs. And then you got three guys that are just going to eat at each other. And I don't think, I don't think Davis's role changes. So the only way for him to produce the same value, which was, what wide receiver 56 last year, the same outcome or whatever that was. Um, He basically has to catch seven touchdowns on 35 balls. Again, I just don't see that happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm in agreement. And I'm just looking through some of the recent trades that he's been involved in on DLF. And there's a lot of him going for a second rounder and some where it's even like, you know, him and a first for a second and a future first things like that. I would definitely be interested in, in shipping Davis and getting that value for him. But uh, with that said, let's move on to the Miami dolphins. Let's start with you, Andrew, uh, give us your rundown on this
3: dolphins offense. So I'm, I'm just really worried about this dolphins offense. I know there's a lot of people out there that are just super, super excited about this upcoming year with the team and I'm just really worried it's all starting up front like I don't know how much the offensive line we've honestly seen improved because they were ranked in the bottom half of the league in both rush and passing last year and I know quarterback was a major effect of that Fitzpatrick was having some on and off games back there and then they were trying to transition to it in and out just back and forth so that was that was a lot of I think the regions as well but They invested a second-round pick into the offensive tackle position, and then they didn't invest another draft pick to help fix up that front line and make sure it's looking healthy and it's got the depth needed all the way until back in the seventh round. And, I mean, they barely invested that right before they invested in the running back position, which I'll kind of transition over to. Uh, Miles Gaskin is somebody that looks like he could have a lot of appeal for one of those. um, Skipping the running backs early, just – Let's go to some late-round flyers. Let me target all my quarterbacks, run, uh, tight ends, receivers early. And I know that mostly the people I've um, been hearing is about Jared Doak, uh, Dokes, I believe, and then Miles Gaskin. And if you're going to bet on one of those guys, I think the easier bet is going to end up being the vet who already knows the system well with the coach over the rookie who his biggest flaw in college was just being able to stay on the field uh dokes has a very good athletic profile from what i've been able to see in the various places but he cannot stay on the field for a long full season and now with the nfl just adding another game onto the schedule i just don't know if he's someone that you are going to depend on uh, if you look at the receivers Jalen waddle and will fuller looks like they're going to be the primary two guys i'm not sure exactly how the target's going to get distributed but i know quarterback normally Once he finds this guy, he's someone that he depends on often and he looks too often. I think that's going to end up being Waddle. But if you're looking for somebody that's going to be dependable week after week, I don't know if I might take Waddle and flip the appeal for an easier receiver that I believe is going to get consistent volume week over week. But if you got a best ball draft, I think these are the two guys that you want to look for because from everything I've been hearing and from Chance talking in the chat, They're talking about how they're wanting to just really push the ball downfield with these guys. And so it's all going to really depend on Tua. How is he looking this second year? Is he healthy? Can he stay healthy for the full season? Uh, All reports are looking positive, Uh, hearing some great things out of him, how he's willing to take more of those risks because we already know he's a great, accurate quarterback. He proved that in college, but I think it was him trying to focus on too much on not making a mistake as a rookie, that ended up capping what he was able to do this first year in the NFL. And so I think by the end of the season, we're going to see him. He's probably going to be about a mid quarterback two for SuperFlex league. So if you're waiting a little bit on quarterback and you want to shoot for a little bit of that upside, I think Tua might be the guy. And even if you're not worried about, if you're worried about him long-term, uh, he carries still a lot of appeal in most leagues. So you can always, use them as a trade piece to go to get somebody else that you're feeling better about.
2: Yeah. So for me, I want to talk about the running back situation uh, personally. I know Andrew touched on it a little bit. So if, you know, Miles Gaskin was fourth on the team last year and targets at 47, do we think he's fourth again this year with the addition of Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle? Devonte Parker was one, Gusecki was two, and Grant was three. I think Grant probably takes a step back.
3: I would say Grant takes a step back, and Waddle so, probably fills that position. Do
2: we think uh, Will Fuller also jumps?
3: Uh, it's hard assuming he's healthy for a full season. Right. That's
1: I, Yeah, I get that. So
2: my But my point is, Miles Gaskin only saw 47 targets, and he did miss a handful of games with an injury. Mm-hmm. But I – I'm not sure we're going to see a repeat of last year with Gaskin because of what Andrew said, like the Dolphins want to push the ball. Like they signed two guys that can fly down the field. You got Gasicki over the middle and then you got Devontae Parker probably as your ex. And then there's still Preston Williams. I'm not a huge Preston Williams fan, but he's still a good football player. Um, So I just, I don't see the receiving work being the same for Gaskin. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure I saw the the upgrades on the offensive line like I wanted to. You know, Andrew also pointed that out. You know, they were bottom, what was it, bottom six in both uh run block and pass block last year, and it really didn't get any better. So again, I'm not super, super high on Gaskin. I also think there's a very legitimate chance that Jared Dokes uh takes that role from him because if you look at the players side by side, just in a vacuum, Jared Dokes is a better football player miles Gaskin, He's a better running back, but in college, as Andrew said, couldn't stay healthy. That was the biggest knock on him. So maybe, maybe not being in the NFL. He just, it's going to sound stupid, but just, I don't know, just maybe he doesn't get hurt as often anymore. You know, it's a better training staff. It's better facilities and stuff like that, you know Um, better, you know, diets and, and whatnot. So I just conditioning, I just, I just wonder if, it just you know his injuries just kind of stop. You know, think of it like this way. You know, like when Steph Curry first came in the NBA, he always had the ankle problems, right? Then he got the ankle surgery and so on. He's basically been relatively healthy ever since then. Like he rarely misses a game. So I just wonder if you know, in a similar context, you know Jared Dokes in injured quite often, and now he's in the NFL. If it, if it just kind of you know in a weird way to say just that that part of it clicks for him. Um, but I think Jared Dokes can do everything Miles Gaskin can do. Uh, but then where the difference is for me is that Jared Doakes has three inches and it's 30 pounds on miles Gaskin. And what was the biggest issue we saw last year? I think it was the San Francisco game and there, there was one other game. I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure I saw a total between two games, maybe seven or eight miles Gaskin goal line carries or carries for one yard, like a fourth and one, a third and one third and inches, whatever. Couldn't convert them. He's just not big enough. The O-line's not good enough, and he's not strong enough to make it happen. So I think if Jared Dokes can do exactly what Miles Gaskin can do, and then you add in his size, he's going to take all of the goal line work, which they kind of tried to do last year with Jordan Howard. And that worked because, what, Jordan Howard got like 14 carries and scored five touchdowns on those. So it wasn't a bad system. But now you have a guy potentially in Dokes who can do all of that because he's a very good football player. So for me, it costs because I think people are wanting like a late first or a mid to mid second for Gaskin. That's ridiculous. You know, Jared Dokes is free in a lot of places. So I'm not going out to buy, to buy Miles Gaskin, but I'll absolutely buy the free lottery ticket for the potential Dolphins RB1.
0: Yeah, so I've been I've been drafting a lot of Dokes in my rookie drafts but I think I like Gaskin maybe a little more than you guys do. I, I still see him probably as the fourth leading target getter on this team after Fuller, Waddle, Parker. I think Preston Williams, keep in mind Preston Williams is a free agent after this year. And I actually like him as a football player. He's a problem who can't, or he's a person who can't stay on the field and has an injury problem, but I think he's worth a, a roster spot in, in, you know, if you have a deeper roster, just, to see where he lands after this season. But I don't think he's going to be used a lot this year. I think Askin is probably going to be, I don't know. You said he was at 47 targets last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing 70 this year with the extra game. Um, And, you know, the fact that he missed a few last year. Mm -hmm. And I, I, again, I like Dokes and he's a bigger guy, but I'm not sure that he's, you know, when you look at their prospect profiles that he's, any better than Gaskin just in terms of a prospect, besides that added weight. But Gaskin's quicker and I think Gaskin really passed the eye test for me last year just watching games. He was he was pretty decisive and he found the hole and and uh, I was just really impressed with his vision. Um and then don't forget about Salvin Ahmed. He was a guy who was an undrafted free agent last year that got cut by the 49ers. And he performed pretty well uh, when he got a chance there last year. So he's, he's fairly interesting to me, too. But I'm not opposed to rostering Gaskin and Dokes and seeing, I guess, kind of how that backfield
2: plays out. You got something to add, Matt? Yeah, I will say I'm, I'm looking here at the numbers. Uh, Gaskin is very, very good at pass blocking, which makes a big difference. Now, I don't know how good dokes is. You know, I, we haven't seen him in live action. I think we'll, you know, we'll get some of that in the preseason camp reports and stuff like that. But from what we saw last year, Gaskin's a very good pass blocker. And obviously, that's a big deal when it comes to a running back. Um, I, I will say, though, that in OTAs, usually I don't know how you guys feel about it, but sometimes it's interesting to watch the order in which players do drills because it might signify maybe an early depth chart or just kind of like how much work so-and-so was trying to get. So I remember in the Dolphins, I saw a video. It was Gaskin was one, Malcolm Brown was two, and Dokes was three, and Ahmed was four. So I don't know if Dokes has, has already jumped Ahmed, but I'm, that was the video I saw. That was the order they went in, take that you know, with a grain of salt or for whatever it's worth, whatever. But I, 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 did, I did think it was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's interesting and definitely worth noting. So that's a good point. Uh, I feel like Malcolm Brown is going to be just a guy and, that's just so annoying
2: and just going to cause problems for these yeah, this backfield. And and also, I mean, you know, the Dolphins actively tried to replace Gaskin twice this year. That's they fair. Want, they wanted to sign Aaron Jones, and then they were about to draft Javante before the Broncos uh, jumped them because Chad called the Broncos and told him to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think that uh, they're they're not married to Gaskin, obviously. And I think, you know, right now they're like, okay, we'll roll with him. But Gaskin was a seventh round pick. Dokes was a seventh round pick. Um, Malcolm Brown's only getting paid right under $2 million. And what they – traded a six for Ahmed or a seven for Ahmed last year from the 49ers or I I think they just signed him because they him up off waivers. Yeah. 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 Something like that. So so they don't have anything invested in anyone in this backfield. So I feel like this is a wide open competition. Like if one of these guys had first round draft capital, I don't feel like we'd be having this conversation. But that that's just simply not the case. And I also want to point out Jalen Waddle. So I think he's a bust. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I don't like him. I don't like him at his cost. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't care that he played with Tua, but you have a guy who has elite speed and is a great route runner, but he's not physical at all. What happens when you come across a corner who's three inches taller than him, four inches taller than him, who's much more physical, who has almost the same speed. Like he's going to get bullied around on the field a lot. Um, I see him getting his regular downfield shots, but I also see him mostly working underneath and across the middle. So if you got a team playing zone, and, you know, he's coming across into those, you know, those uh, quarters. Uh, what do you call it? Um, like flat zones right there across, you know, right around the the first down marker, stuff like that. I a linebacker could pick him up and just absolutely lay him out. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work out. I think he's a good role player. I think he's going to be around for a while, but I don't think he's ever going to touch top 12.
0: Yeah. And I think with that in mind, I I think it's Avante Parker is a decent value. Still. He's going as wide receiver 61 and not that he's like, he's actually a guy I have a lot of shares of because I hit, I, I picked, I traded for him often before his, whatever it was, fourth year breakout or whatever. Um, and I'm still kind of been stuck with him as I've been trying to move him, but wide receiver 61. I mean, waddles, there's going to be a learning curve. Like you said, there's a decent chance. He busts filler fuller's hurt all the time like i just think Devontae parker as wide receiver 61 i'm a little bit intrigued by that uh just because i think he can be the like the i don't think he's gonna have like a you know wide receiver one season again but i think he could be the consistent receiver out of this bunch
2: this offense feels like a trap to me on paper it looks good We've been hyping it up, but I feel like we're going to get, you know, to week seven and we're going to be like, where the hell is the Dolphins offense?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think just circling back on the running backs, I was going to say like, I feel like Gaskin's going to be a good between the twenties running back, catch some passes. Dokes is going to be a lot of short yardage touchdown. Like it's, and you know, Malcolm Brown's going to mix in. Like I said, Gaskin passed the eye test for me, but this collection just feels like they are kind of going to cannibalize each other and Gaskin isn't, going to score enough touchdowns to really be like a consistent guy that you want to start.
2: And and to be clear, I'm not, I tweeted something out earlier, but I don't think Waddle's a bust. I just don't think he's going to work out the way a lot of people think he do. So, which is fair. Yeah.
3: Andrew, what do you got? Yeah. So us in there, you were talking about for the costs and everything. So it got me thinking, I went everyone's looked at road of his dynasty ADP right now. Uh, Miles Gaskin is roughly going And this is the last five drafts that they pull data from. About pick 96, Jared Dokes is going at 190. So, huge difference on where if you're still in a draft at this point or about to go into a startup. uh, Just being able to consider what are you doing at those points in the draft and are you really willing to pay up for somebody like Miles Gaskin and a coaching offense that we know is probably going to – more than likely resemble the Patriots when it comes to their backfield, which is just an absolute freaking nightmare. Even talking as a Patriots fan myself, like it's going to be tough to find out the guy that you trust consistently. Now, if you're in a best ball, like I would definitely look at probably taking the flyer on Jared Dokes, or if you can get Miles Gaskin within reason, uh, those guys probably will pop weeks here and there, but When it comes to regular dynasty, I just don't know which weeks are you going to really trust these guys and which guy is going to get the volume that week. Is it going to be a Malcolm Brown week, Dokes, Gaskin? Does med come out of nowhere for one week? And so that backfield is just – I really hope if you're depending on it, you've got got them as your RB4 or so, if not later. And then I went ahead and did the same thing with receivers since we flipped over and was talking about them. Jalen Waddle's going at pick 74. Will Fuller's going at pick 120. And Devontae Parker is going all the way down at pick 168.
2: That's absurd.
3: So so for the value, I definitely agree. Go for Parker. If you're willing to bet on Waddle, you're really hoping that the coaches are going to be able to emphasize how to use this guy before. You said 74? 74 overall. Oh, my so gosh. That's a super high price on a rookie. So you you better be a big believer in trusting that that offense is going to be able to perform up to the standards that you're hoping for. So and if it's not best ball, he's probably somebody I'm going to try and follow. And after halfway through the rookie year, if I still truly believe in his value, because if you're paying for him right now, it's insane the value you're going to pay. Because I can think of a lot of people in the top six rounds of NFL drafts or startup drafts that I would truly prefer over
2: Jalen Waddle. I will say, for me, something that could make Waddle more appealing, um, and this is an assumption, but there is a little bit of fact behind it, so... I dropped this in the fantasy scouts discord last week. And a lot of the time, some of these NFL reporters and NFL insiders out there, they say stuff on TV that necessarily doesn't make Twitter. So a lot of people miss it, but Jeff Darlington was on TV and he used to work for the dolphins. He covered the dolphins for I think five or six years. So he's very plugged in with that organization. And he said that the dolphins are committed to a, for this year, like this year, they're not committed to, to a, past this year and the one name he brought up was that as of last week the dolphins are still poking around on deshaun watson they are still i don't want to say i mean they're obviously interested if they're poking around but i I just i think i just think an easy way to say there's doing their homework you know and you don't do that if you're not you know if you're committed to your guy. And I don't think anybody would argue that Deshaun is obviously an upgrade over Tua. Like, you know, it is what it is. You know, you get replaced by a much, much better player. But I just think it's interesting to to know that this is kind of a make it or break it year for, for Tua. You know, if he if he doesn't perform this year, I think the Dolphins are going to move on next year. They got picks. They could trade for Watson. They could trade for Russell Wilson. If, if that whole saga opens back up again, I just – I, I think Tua's got one year in Miami to prove that he's the guy. Otherwise, he's going to be played somewhere else in 2022.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one other thing I want to get to before we move on is that Mike Gasicki will be a free agent after the season. Love um, Mike Gasicki, go buy him. Say that again? That
2: I love Gasicki, go buy him. I've been buying him everywhere.
0: See, I well, I, I think he's probably going to get uh, – I was gearing this more towards Hunter long because I think a is probably going to get a semi big contract from somebody. Cause he has the athletic profile to, he could break out at any moment. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily know that it's going to come from the dolphins if he does. So I think Hunter long is an interesting rookie to go by, especially if you have a taxi squad or something like that. But, um, yeah, Kisiki, I guess I believe he could, could break out at, at any time. Um, all right, we've spent plenty of time on the Dolphins. Let's move to Andrew's New England Patriots. Uh, Patriots. Andrew, why don't you start us off? What do you uh how are you feeling about this Pats offense?
3: It's gotta be better than last year, that's for sure. I'll say like they set a low bar going into 2021. So that's great for most of us Pats fans. Like So starting off, um, just out of necessity, honestly, I think it's got to be brought up is the fact that that defense was already super talented last year, and they've only done nothing but add more and more talent to it through the draft, through free agency, and honestly just players that opted out last year that were important, either as a starter or depth, are also coming back, so that's going to bring a lot of extra chances, I feel like, to the upcoming offense and how it's going to look in 2021. So, being able to use that, get better field position, get more turnovers, I think we're going to see a pretty good scoring offense. But the question is now, who do we trust here? If you've got Cam Newton and Mac Jones back there at quarterback, I just I think Cam Newton could be a sneaky QB3 type play if you're going in contending as a super flex, but I really would be uncomfortable if I didn't have Mac Jones sitting somewhere on my bench or my taxi ready to take over just in case Newton ends up having another issue either health wise or for some reason just majorly regresses. Uh, It's not somebody that I would just be looking for as far as passing volume the reason I would say getting Newton as a QB3, QB4 type in a super flex would mostly be because he's going to be the running back one with all said and done when it comes to just fantasy points scored through rushing. The dude is the absolute goal back last year. And he showed that like he was within a yard approving that in week two against the Seahawks, almost being able to score right there repeatedly over and over and over. Except you he's lost. I know, we lost, and that's all good because we got a better draft pick. So, overall, though, like, Newton's not someone I'm looking for long-term. If you definitely feel like I am nowhere near it, I would flip for just about anything I can. I'll add to it, just upgrade a pick around. Um, Mac Jones, again, he's a rookie. I'm hearing fantastic things from everybody that I can see that's plugged into the team about how accurate this dude is, which was literally his calling card all Um, last season plus the pre-draft process was just how smart this dude is and how accurate he is with the football. So if he steps up and has to take over for any reason this season, I think he's in a good position because that transitions over to the pass catchers that he actually has working with. Uh, They went out and they signed Nelson Aguilar and immediately I watched Twitter just explode and start laughing at the organization for just what they paid for him. And honestly, the price that they got him at I think came out to be about $9 million a year without the guarantees in it. So he still has to earn the extra $4 million a year if he wants to see that $13 million contract each season for the next two seasons. He stepped up last year and was doing fantastic for the Raiders. He was their downfield threat, their big guy that they could look to get into that intermediate to deep part of the field, and that's just somebody that the Patriots didn't really have this past year. And they combined that and they went out and got two fantastic tight ends, kind of work more of the intermediates, middle of the field area. You've got Johnny Smith, who just got a massive contract the first day of free agency, I believe. He's probably going to end up being the guy who gets the most targets. So if you're looking for a tight end that you think has sneaky QB, well, not QB, good gosh, tight end six, seven potential, but you're not wanting to pay up for one of these guys in early drafts. I think Johnny Smith is someone that you might want to be looking at because, again, the dude is a super athletic freak. I know the Patriots love to feature tight ends before, and, of course, mostly that was because of Gronk, but I think Johnny Smith is just an ap- one of their best athletes right now so that he should see a fair amount as well. And he's fantastic after the catch. He might not get as many targets as some of your upper-end guys, but the dude can get places after he has the ball in his hands, and I expect that to be the case. And, again, if you combine that with the Patriots' defense, it's getting them more opportunities. I feel like Johnny Smith's going to end up being the guy they look for very often. And then, of course, the other tight end, Hunter Henry, just adds a major third component to that offense. I think he's going to be sitting there. Back end, tight end, if you got a two-tight end start league, like, he might be someone worth the flyer, but I don't know how relevant he is going to be outside of getting some of the touchdowns because I believe he is – a little bit more of your big body tight end, use them in the red zone type guys. So they might find creative ways to get him the football as well. Uh, outside that, if you got to take a deep flyer on somebody on this offense when it comes to the pass catchers, Jacoby Myers is a good name to go ahead and start watching because he stepped up and was playing as a receiver one and then just an absolute terrible situation last year. So I'm very curious to see what are they going to do with this guy, but I think he's going to end up being the receiver two, if not receiver one depending on how Aguilar, uh, Aguilar uh, just transitions in. And so, I mean, the, the only thing it leaves me with is this running back to backfield. And as I just said with the Dolphins, it's normally an absolute freaking nightmare trying to figure out who to play these guys in fantasy. So, if you're not in best ball, I would probably stay away from most of this. But if you had to bet on one guy, go get Damian Harris. I'm pretty sure he's not that expensive. I'll look it up and come back in a second figure it out. But – I think he's going to have the number one position locked up again this year after what he did last year, and I just don't see any of the other guys being a huge factor, except for maybe Stevenson, who might carry a couple, get a couple carries around the goal line.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, Jacoby Myers is is interesting. He had a pretty showed some flashes uh, with them last year. I think another guy that's semi interesting. Um, let me find where they're going. So Jacoby Myers is going as wide receiver. 93. Kendrick Bourne is going as wide receiver 92. And, you know, Bourne's coming off, uh, like 667 yards last year on in 15 games. Um, he got paid a three year, $15 million deal from the Patriots. I think Kendrick, Kendrick born is a, a decent player. Um, and I think he'll get a shot in this offense. And he's a guy that I'm rostering in a few deeper leagues. Um, you know, again going super super late him and him and uh Jacoby Myers both going there in the as wide receiver 92 and 93. so super late kind of more of just a dart throw. he's a guy that i would be interested in grabbing and you know keeping on your roster for maybe the first couple of weeks until you see how they're going to utilize all of these pass catchers and then you know you can always drop him uh, if he doesn't make an impact but i think he's a guy that could have some sneaky value. In terms of the tight ends, I agree with Andrew. I think Jonu Smith is, is the one you want here. Uh, you know, Belichick has always loved Jonu Smith. We know I'm going to reference these quotes again just because they, they just mean so much to me. It, uh, Belichick, when they played against the Titans, he said he's just a really good tight end, can do a lot of things, blocks well, runs well, is a good receiver, played him at tailback. He looked pretty good there. He's a very athletic player, hard to tackle. Catches the ball well. He's great after the catch, probably the best in the league. I mean, I can't imagine anyone better than him after the catch. Kind of reminds me of how they talked about Aaron Hernandez in terms of moving him around, using him at, you know, tailback and just getting him involved um, in the offense in different ways. He's going as tight end 15, I believe. Um, Yeah, he's going as tight end 15. Hunter Henry's going as tight end 16. So I prefer Johnny Smith. I think he's a good player to have if you're streaming tight ends or, you know, especially in a two tight end league, I think he's uh can be a value there and I think he could ultimately kind of be their de facto number one target. Um in terms of the running backs, I mean, I won't add a lot to what Andrew said. I I pretty much agree. I do think Stevenson is is interesting just because you know Belichick has has shown that he likes that Lagara blunt type and you know the the running back situation is always kind of unpredictable in New England and I think uh uh what's it Sonny Michelle is kind of on his last leg there um literally <laughs> yeah literally and uh so Harris is definitely the one to own but I think uh I think Stevenson could potentially make a splash at some point, but um, yeah, I think, I think Kendrick Bourne is kind of a sleeper that I'm, I'm semi-interested in, but ultimately I think Jonu Smith is the, is the pass catcher you want in this offense. Yeah. You have something else, Andrew?
3: Yeah. You just mentioned Michelle and it kind of made me think if you, for some reason still have Michelle on your bench or even Nikhil Harry, uh, they might be guys, don't cut them just yet, because I've been hearing some things over this offseason about how they're already looking at trading both of those guys. And when it comes to dynasty, you always want to sell at a peak. I think if either of those guys get traded for any reason, go ahead and that's your point that you want to offload it for whatever you can get. So I understand Michelle's at this point is not going to be probably fantasy relevant, but don't just rush off the grab just some undrafted rookie if you really don't believe in that rookie. So don't cut them just to cut them just yet. You can always wait until the season, week one waivers, and grab the next guy that blows up. Maybe it's the James Robinson if you're one of those leagues where he didn't get picked up last year. And then I did go back and look at the uh, ADP real quick. Damian Harris was going right there at the start of the 11th round. So if he ends up being the starting running back in the 11th round, he's a good – Flex bi week filler for your back of your depth if you need a running back at that point. John O. Smith was going right there late 11th. Hunter Henry was going mid 13th. So, again, if you're looking for those tight ends those different league formats that value them a little bit more, that's, that's probably the area you want to target for, especially Smith. That's just going to, again, I believe he's going to lead the team in targets. And then Jacoby Myers, if you want that dart throw, it's pick 198 has been his average. So, especially later rounds, almost – oh, gosh, let's see. Let me do that math real quick. 198. Yeah, almost in the 17th round of drafts. So, if you can find the guy who steps up and has the type of season he was having last year, he might be worth worth it at that point. I don't know who's been going around him. But – Yeah, that's about all I got for my team.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to keep my thoughts short and simple and quick. I do have one question I'd like to pose to you guys. So I do think there we will see, as Andrew pointed out, a legitimate QB battle this summer, Mac Jones, Cam Newton. I think if you own Mac Jones, good for you, hold. Uh, If you own Cam Newton and he is your QB three, I'd probably be looking to sell because even if Newton beats out Jones and Camp, which I don't think is going to happen – it's not really a matter of if Mac Jones takes over. It's a matter of when. And if it's not this year, it's probably next year. So I'd be looking to get on on Newton. Uh, I traded Newton at the end of last season for a 22-1, and then I traded that 22-1, I think it was about a month ago, for Jordan Love. So I turned Cam Newton into Jordan Love, and I feel pretty good about that swap. Um, As for the running backs – uh, for me, Damian Harris is just a guy. I'm not sure why people are so hyped up on him. Uh, he was just a guy at Alabama. He's just a guy now. He's also in a backfield that's very unpredictable, as Chad said. Um, I like Stevenson to cut into his workload. I think it'll be the true New England committee that we've always seen. Um, and then, as for the tight ends, I'm going to go three for three. I definitely think John is the guy here. Um, and then, didn't Andrew, maybe. Uh, you can help me out here. Didn't Hunter Henry have to leave uh, mandatory camp early with an injury? Didn't he miss like the last two days? Or uh,
3: like that? He missed a little bit because of his leg got tweaked, but that wasn't anything major. He was back the next day working out with them. Okay, he was just was being uh, uh, careful. They didn't want to overdo the, okay. the potential risk.
2: Regardless, it's guys out there running in helmets and shorts. If you tweak something, we know Henry's injury passed. It's not a good sign to see him already um, basically make the injury report, I guess you could say. But then I I was going to say, I see a lot of Jacoby Myers hype out there. And I know, Andrew, you touched on him just now, but he led the team last year in targets at 78. Uh, Fun fact about Jacoby Myers, he's been in the league for two years. He's never caught a touchdown pass. He has no touchdowns to his name. I thought that was interesting.
0: Is, has Cam Newton thrown for a touchdown pass in the last few years?
3: Uh, I think he ran for more this past year than he threw. So, I mean, that's, that's I what I was saying. If you want the running back one, go get Newton for a while.
2: Yeah, I, th- I just thought that was interesting. Um, but here's my question for you guys. Since Myers led the team last year in targets to 78, do we see any Patriots pass catcher breaking 100 targets this year? And if so, who?
3: I mean, I feel like the easy answer has got to be Johnny Smith. You really think Johnny breaks
2: 100 targets?
0: I don't think so. I don't think any because of them do. Because
2: breaking 100 targets for a tight end would put up right away top five or six in the league.
0: Yeah, okay. I would think he'll be more around 75, 80. Hunter Henry probably 65, let me, 70. Yeah, I think me, if, if anybody approaches 100 targets, it'll probably be Aguilar in my opinion, but I don't think he yeah. will get there either. I'm going to look that up real quick.
3: So, so – the reason I'm, I'm willing to say I think Johnny Smith would approach 100 targets is, and you can double-check this for me real quick, but who was Cam Newton's primary guy for most of the time that he was with the Panthers toward the end? It
0: was Greg Olson,
3: for sure. Exactly. And Johnny Smith, I feel like, is just as athletic of a tight end and a safety valve for uh, Cam Newton as he was back then. So if Newton ends up starting and playing most of the season, I feel like he's going to be your guy. And if you have the rookie quarterback, I mean, I am going to tell my rookie quarterback, go with the safety valve. And I don't think Myers and Aguilar on the outside is honestly your safety valves. I think that's going to be one of the two tight ends. And I'm probably going to assume it's a more athletic one moving around a little bit more. So has so, Olsen in the past seen hundred targets, because I'm pretty sure he's seen plus of 130 or close to it.
2: So from I don't from last year, four tight ends saw over hundred targets. Darren Waller finished his tight end two. Travis Kelsey finished as tight end one. We Logan also have th- an
3: extra game this year. Have right to factor that in.
2: Lo- Logan Thomas finished as tight end uh four and Evan Ingram, who finished his tight end fifteen, but he barely caught any of his one hundred targets. So uh, other guys that probably would have crept into that since we get a game now would have been TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant probably would have come close um so maybe five maybe six guys John Smith caught, had 63 targets last year I don't I, I don't really do we really see him getting 37 more targets like because because if he's going at tight end 50 15 that's what we said right right now yep and we think he's going to get 100 targets, he should finish inside the top seven, top six.
3: That's why I said that earlier. Yeah, so I just pull it up real quick. Greg Olson, for the primary years, and this is between 2012 and 2016, the targets he had going from 12 to 16 was 104, 111, 123, 124, and 129. So –
2: Again, well, we don't. We don't think Hunter Henry because they also paid him thirty, forty million dollars. We don't think that not necessarily he's the guy, but it's going to cap maybe John's ceiling. It could
3: some, but again, if you ask me if I'm betting on one guy, I'm going with the super athletic tight end.
2: Yeah, I mean if we get out I of week,
3: get a downfield guy. So I don't think he's going to get a ton of targets. And Myers, I just I don't see him getting a hundred targets this year.
2: Yeah, I mean if we get out of week one, you know even out of week two, and at the end of week two, John o. Smith has you know, 18 targets and seven carries, you know, I'm all in for that one then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to the fourth team in the division. That is the New York Jets. I'm going to get us started on them because I'm actually excited to talk about the Jets. What's going on with that? Um, No more Adam Gase. And it feels like a new wave. Um, I like Robert Sala. I like some of these young players that they have. I haven't heard a lot about Zach Wilson um, so far, but you know, there's, he's kind of slipped down a little bit just because Trey Lance and Justin Fields with their kind of rushing abilities have, have kind of surpassed him and, and rightfully so. And I do think Wilson, I think he has, I could see him being kind of Justin Herbert, like the way he throws the ball I I think he could really be a very good quarterback in the NFL, but he does have a little bit of, um, I don't know, a bust, you know, potential to him. I, I don't know how his attitude will play. I don't know. It's kind of a wait and see, but the rookies that I'm really excited about for this team, for one, it's Elijah Moore. I think you look at this wide receiver uh group, I do think Corey Davis is kind of gonna be the the number one heading into this season. They they paid him. And, you know, obviously they don't have a, a defined number one target. I do think that's going to be Corey Davis off the bat. But after that, I really look for Elijah Moore to To be the number two, I don't think they're going to waste any time getting him involved. I know Jamison Crowder was their uh, leading receiver last year. Unfortunately, he's still around, but he is a free agent after this season. uh, So that should be kind of factored in, you know, in terms of dynasty when you're when you're going out to, to get Elijah Moore. I think Denzel Mims, you know, we've heard he's been running with the twos, sometimes even the threes it seems like he's just going to be one of those frustrating guys to own. In fact, he kind of reminds me of, of Corey Davis and, you know, early on in his career where it's like, this guy has a ton of potential, the athletic profiles there, but I just don't know if he'll, he'll ever hit it at least in the jets. And and this is a, a crowded wide receiver room now. And apparently they're pretty high on Keelan Cole as well, a guy that they really like who's going to be involved this year. But with Elijah Moore, I, I mean, like I said, I, I think he's going to be effective uh, immediately, and I think he's a rookie that you should go try and go grab nearly whatever it costs. Um, he's kind of he kind of has an Antonio Brown type of play to him on the field, um, and just some some coach speak quotes here. I mean, there's been a lot of positive talk about Elijah Moore so far, so his value is definitely going up. But um, Robert Sala, head coach, said. Beyond talent, his work ethic is off the charts, his his mindset is off the charts. There are reports that him and Michael Carter are both showing up at 630 every day to get work in before practice. And you see that as, as a rookie. That's something you love to see. And when the head coach is praising your work ethic and your mindset, that tells me, because a lot of these guys in the league, they have the talent. It's just a matter of them getting up to speed and the mindset and, and figuring out where they need to be. And it sounds like Elijah Moore has had no difficulties doing that. Um, you know, I've heard little tid- tidbits about plays he's making in camp and and I'm just really excited to to see what this guy does. I think it, it feels like a new era for the Jets. And I think Elijah Moore is going to be a good player for them for a long time. And I think he's I think he's going to be their number one wide receiver going into next year. I really do. Um, so I think he's a guy that, you know, especially in terms of dynasty, that should be that you should you should definitely be after even with his value um, on the rise. The backfield is a little bit murky. Um, I know that this staff has some ties to, to Tevin Coleman and I, I do semi expect him to be the starter going into the season. But I mean, we've seen the Tevin Coleman show before, let's be honest, and it's, it's not really impressive. Um, Michael P. Ryan, just a guy. I think Michael Carter is not getting enough attention. He's going as RB33 in Dynasty Startups. And I think it's, you know, I mean, I'd rather have him. He's going around like Melvin Gordon, Damian Harris, Tony Pollard's going ahead of him, AJ Dillon. Like, I would rather have Michael Carter than all those guys. I think Carter's an elite receiving back and I think he'll be very involved on that front. Um immediately but I think he can put a dent in Coleman's you know early down carries and eventually kind of take over as an every down back there I think he has the talent to do it in fact he reminds me a lot of a Geo Bernard and if you remember Bernard was an every down workhorse back for the Bengals the first few years of his career before they brought in Joe Mixon and Bernard was you know he was good he was solid as that player he's probably better as like a high-end complement, complementary back, but I think that's kind of what we're going to see out of Michael Carter because this Jets team isn't really going to be investing in running back right now. So I think we're going to see a couple of years of Carter being kind of the every-down guy, and he's going to turn in RB two RB two value for the first few years of his career, and then you know maybe down the line they bring in uh, kind of a, a more main feature back and Carter you know, kind of turns into what we've seen Bernard be the last few years. I think he's a very similar player uh, to Gio Bernard, but um, in terms of the tight ends, I've been a Chris Herndon truther pounding the table for him pretty much uh, nonstop. But I think, I think I'm finally off of that train. Although, you know, let's see. I mean, he's, he's so cheap right now. I do think he is, if he's ever going to revitalize you know, his career, now would be the time to do it when you have these new faces, you have a new quarterback who can really sling it. And Chris Herndon is going as tight end 25. So, you know, if you're inclined to take him there, I don't have a problem with it. I'm still going to roster him in a few spots. And I think, you know, I could certainly see a four or 500 yard season out of him where he's like, you know, a a tight end two kind of guy. So, and you know, that's probably best case, but I think in a two tight end league, you know, especially he's, he's a fine target, but overall, I think the guys you really want to own. I mean, I, I, like I said, I like Zach Wilson to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I'm probably not willing to invest at him at his current cost. Just there's too many unknowns with him. And I'd rather go get a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, but I'm, I'm really in on Michael Carter and Elijah Moore for this season and beyond in dynasty. How about you, Matt? What do you, uh, how do you feel about this Jets offense and kind of what I said?
2: So my typical rule of thumb is don't invest in fantasy players that are on bad franchises because generally they're always bad. You know, the players that they draft are bad. You know, the guys that they sign are bad. It's just always a poorly constructed team. But this Jets team kind of gives me a different vibe. Like, like you alluded to, it just feel like – this, you know, franchise might be on the up and up um, and not quite there, but they definitely do have a lot of solid core pieces in place. You know, their run block and pass block win rates last year, uh, they were 30th and run and they were 29th and pass. So they were bottom three in the league in both of those. And they have uh Makai Becton who is an outstanding left tackle. They went out and drafted Elijah Vera Tucker to play guard. And then they just signed Morgan Moses, Uh, to play right tackle is I think an extremely underrated signing so they have a very solid core at least you know 60 percent of their o-line nailed down which is going to really really help you know your rookie quarterback your rookie running back your rookie wide receiver rookie tight end all this all these rookies that we got here on offense um I will say though whoever the x receiver is for the Jets you don't want them whether it's Davis whether it's Mems. If Elijah Moore is the X, it's because they because he has the ability and they truly believe he can beat one-on-one press coverage, then that then he's the only guy I would be okay with. But if it's anybody else, you don't want him because you have a rookie quarterback throwing to uh, shadow coverage, basically, to Stephon Gilmore, Xavier Howard, and Tredavis White six times a year. So whoever that guy is, I don't want that guy. Um, but again, like I said, if it's Elijah Moore, then you're probably okay. Um, as for Michael Carter was a video that came out about from their war room or whatever, um, they were actually considering moving up into the third to get him, but then he kind of, they started to kind of see this run on defensive guys, uh, and Michael Carter fell to them at pick one Oh seven. So I think it's a safe bet to assume that they had a day two grade on Michael Carter, even though he went right at the beginning of day, uh, day three, top of the fourth round. Um, so, so that's, so that's interesting because, you know, I, I was under the assumption it would probably be closer to a committee because you get they have this, you know, very San Francisco y vibes with the staff that they brought together and the guys they brought over from there, obviously. So you're like, well, Tevin Coleman, here comes Tevin Coleman. He played at San Francisco as well for these guys. Um, but I don't think it's out of the question that Michael Carter becomes the lead back uh in this backfield. Um it may not be week one, but I think it will be at some point this season, kind of depending on how training camp goes. So if you are to purchase one guy, I th- I definitely think Mido excuse me, Michael Carter is that guy. Now, as for the tight ends, you know, those of you listening, Andrew and I have this created this tight end metric that I think is scary accurate because if you had been following us pre-draft, you would have, Jacob Harris would have been on your radar and then post-draft, you would have known that he ranked 12th out of the 102 tight ends we have on our metric Um, He is one of the most gifted tight ends to come out of college since 2014. Um, But with that being said, the Jets, uh, you know, right below Jacob Harris at 17 is Kenny Yeboah. And Kenny Yeboah went undrafted, which is interesting because there's not a single tight end in our metric that has the, the athleticism scores uh, in the college profile that Yeboah has that didn't go in the top three rounds. There's not a single one. So this is how I feel about Yeboah. Either the NFL missed on Yeboah and he is about to rip it up for the Jets or this guy is going to fall off the face of the planet. And he's not going to be in the league in two years. Like There's no in-between because he has all the physical tools. He has the college profile and to this day, I still haven't figured out why he went undrafted because he was playing second fiddle to Elijah Moore at Old Miss, so it's kind of cool to see those guys reunited. Mm-hmm. But Yuboa absolutely torched Alabama. Uh, I believe he had 700 plus receiving yards at Ole Miss last year, so it's not like this guy wasn't used. Like Yuboa is a very good receiving tight end. Now, as for Chris Herndon, since that's Chad's guy, I got to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and Chris Herndon is 96 mm-hmm. out of 102. Uh, Chris Herndon has one of the worst college and athleticism profiles we have on our on our metrics. So again, I don't know who's going to come out as the tight end one. I would bet on Yeboah because he's cheap. Uh, He is light years ahead of Herndon as far as athleticism goes and, and skill. Um, But whoever it is, I think this is going to be an extremely favorable position because you're bringing over a very similar offense to what San Francisco runs and who is over in San Francisco that kills it every year is George Kittle. So now you got Yeboah who is, I guess you could make an argument as more athletic than George Kittle. Might not be as good overall tight end, but he's a little bit more athletic. Uh, If he can land that starting gig, um, he's going to be running in an offense that heavily features the tight end, or at least a staff that comes from uh, a scheme that heavily features the tight end. So that could be a huge uh, lottery ticket win right there. And then the last thing I'll say is obviously this all revolves around Zach Wilson. I'm very unsure about Zach Wilson. I've, i definitely feel like he has the talent. He has the arm. Um, but as you know, Chad kind of alluded to, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit. I'm not, I don't get the, you know, the long-term legit NFL quarterback vibes from him. He feels like a guy who's, who's here because he's just here. You know, I don't feel like, I don't get the sense that he wants it bad enough but of course I don't know him personally so I can't say that for sure but uh, I'm definitely wait and see mode on Zach Wilson
0: yeah he kind of gives me some like Josh Rosen vibes but I think he's a better quarterback than Josh Rosen but just kind of in terms of the too cool for school type of type of mentality but yeah just to circle back to Yaboa, um I I do like Yaboa as a long-term prospect I think what worries me with Herndon or, or anybody is, you know, they also have Ryan Griffin. It's kind of, I, I don't know. I could just see them kind of rotating through tight ends and just using kind of a, a committee of tight ends there. I don't, you know, I don't want to misinterpret what I said as, you know, I used to love Herndon. I've, I've jumped off that train. And like I said, I think he's maybe an investment where he's going worth an investment where he's going, but I'm kind of just fearful that, cause Ryan Griffin is a capable tight end. He's, he's flashed at times. They Not that he's
2: Tyler Croft too. Don't they?
0: Uh, um. Yes, I think you're right. I think they did sign Tyler Croft. So, I mean, it's just kind of crowded there, and I, yeah, you know, Yaboa coming in as an undrafted rookie. I don't know if we can expect too
2: I much will, from him at least right off the bat. I, I will say, follow the money. Yaboa was the highest paid undrafted free agent this off season. He got close to a million. I think it was eight seventy five. So he's getting paid just as much as some of your one year vet type of guys, you know, off season bodies or, or whatever. Um, And like I said, he has of that group between Croft Griffin, Uboa, and Herndon, he has the profile to stand out head and shoulders. It's a matter of will he, and I think it costs right now, which is like, I've seen him go in the fifth and maybe even undrafted in some rookie drafts. It's worth it because if you're in two tight ends, uh, two tight end or tight end premium league that's you stick them on the end of the bench I mean we're going to know the answer with you by the end of training camp but come you know the end of preseason like I, we're not gonna have to wait long for that
0: Well, and I think even so he's he's a no-brainer if you have a taxi squad like yeah if for you sure. have a taxi squad no-brainer he's the one I want to throw on there because you're gonna have to roster you know chris herndon and at some point chris herndon yep. just becomes dead weight on your roster that you you don't want to use a spot on him whereas yeboah you can throw him on the taxi squad and and Absolutely. just wait to see so
2: and this and, and yeboah is only like i said only a guy for end premium and two titan leagues if you play in a single end league then you can watch yeboah from a distance yep
3: i uh, fully agree with that and i mean since we're already talking about the titan metric um, earlier, Matt, when you brought it up, like, holy cow, that thing put Yaboa and Jacob here way up on our radar, and it definitely helped me get several different shares, just late fourths and priority free agent pickups right after rookie drafts, right after we saw the NFL draft, so early May when these drafts are going on. Um, I was looking at ADP. I mean, if, if you're willing to invest in Chris Hernan at this point in a recent startup, uh, his ADP was looking right there at about 204 overall I'm just going to wait the extra I'm just going to honestly I'm not going to jump 20 picks Kenny Evo is averaging 224 let me go ahead and just pick up the new guy because at a certain point like the dude's either got to show it or not and at this point I just I know he's showing flashes I just don't think he's ever going to be consistent enough to be on the field unless he's a way late career redemption type guy but I just don't see it happening. I'd rather take the rookie and put him on a taxi where I can save an extra space. And it's really going to just depend back on the quarterback. How is Zach Wilson going to do in the NFL? And when I was looking at the five quarterbacks that went in the first round, there was two, well, really there was three that really freaked me out. You had Trey Lance and Zach Wilson kind of falling into a similar category for me. Pretty much are they one-year wonders, right? We've seen a lot of quarterbacks that get hyped up, they get really good draft capital, but they've only really started a true one year in the college world. And we've seen several of them come into the NFL and end up struggling, and then their backups are out of the league. So I'm, I'm very worried that Zach Wilson looks like he has the tools, but I'm just hoping that the staff doesn't mess him up mentally to where he ends up falling apart like we've seen other guys do. I was going to say if Mac Jones was the other quarterback that I'm a little bit worried about and it's just because like he's not a guy a super athletic profile and just some of the things I've seen from other people as far as like the profile that he comes in with if that dude is not absolutely perfect as a, as a starter and what he's doing as far as like accuracy if it takes any steps backwards I just don't know that dude might end up being a boss down the road um, I just Mac Jones again I just feel like his ceiling's going to be capped as someone's Mid or QB2 and a super flex, like maybe, maybe a Kirk Cousins ceiling if he does everything right. So, again, Wilson, it's just one of those things when a team gets super hyped up like that and is fresh off a rebuild coming in, trying to set things, set the culture differently. Most of those guys end up getting overhyped and underperformed their first year. I just, I'm worried, Zach Wilson, I don't know what his exact QB which QB he is but I'm seeing him go at pick 51 and I just I'm not sure if he's going to live up to it this year and so it might be somebody to target later on if you believe in the talents just take somebody that gets freaked out about that rookie slump that I think he's going to come in and perform as so kind of switching gears going from tight ends quarterbacks let's go ahead and look at running backs right here uh, Tevin Coleman is not somebody I'm going to be interested in honestly like, I know he comes in with the staff coming over from San Francisco, kind of helps set the culture, teach the backfield, hey, this is what's going on. He's probably going to get the first crack at it, and I'm sure he's been the lead guy in most of the drills. But he's just never been able to put it together on the field consistently, staying out there and being able to do it. So if you're going to take your shots, go ahead and definitely get Michael Carter or even P. Ryan. I'm not really going to go for P. Ryan personally, but Michael Carter is probably going to be your safety valve check down, kind of get, Running back that might perform pretty well this year, and if you like him, keep him right there as a good flex play RB four type kind of guy. But I don't know, Chad. You got me kind of freaked out though when you say he's a good Giovanni Bernard because I picked that dude up as a rookie in a redraft league back when I was still doing those his his first year, and I was like, man, this dude is perfect. And then I went to start thinking about picking him up next year in the team as good as he is for his skill set, immediately went and got a new RB to replace him with Jeremy Hill. And I think if you're trusting Michael Carter long-term, you're hoping that the Jets don't end up investing a pick on a better running back prospect in the next two years. And I mean, I know 2022 is not got a lot of guys, but I could see an RB three type, like an Eric Gray or Zamir White, being able to fill that big lead back role and just, putting michael carter on the back burner so i get it for this year if you need a guy definitely go for him but he might be somebody that i take on a couple of hot weeks especially if i look like a middle team or end up having to do a rebuild one or the other uh turn around and flip him for something else later down the road and so i mean the last position looking at receivers denzel Mims, he's just I don't think he's going to be anything at this point. I know he was only a rookie last year. It's easy to write somebody off after the first year, but we're already seeing that the team spoke volumes about what their thoughts were by going out, getting Elijah Moore at the top of the second, signing Corey Davis, um, purposely trying to keep Jameson Crowder around, you know, asking him to restructure his contract and let him still stay with the team. So I think you're just going to you're going to see Mims back as receiver four and I just don't think this offense is going to feature a lot of their receiver four so if there's not an injury I think he's somebody that you just package together whatever you can and move for a player that you feel better about Um, with the three top guys if you're going for the cheapest one definitely go for Jameson Crowder I think he'll still play the slot mostly leaving Lodge Moore and Corey Davis as your two outside receivers for the most part and Crowder's gotten his share before and I just think he's probably going to earn it again but if you're going for dynasty I, I definitely get the appeal of Elijah Moore he's an all-around athlete somebody I was really impressed with coming from a school where he got to learn under AJ Brown and DK Metcalf he's probably going to end up putting it together on the NFL field as well being somebody that you can trust to play your receiver two receiver three type in most settings which I know most leagues require at least three receivers being played so Somebody, I would definitely be watching and picking up where I can. Matt, what was your question? I started talking about quarterbacks, and your hand popped up.
2: Oh yeah, I was going to say historically, the NFL draft says that fifty percent of first round quarterbacks are generally busts. I think it's forty nine percent, but we'll round up. And then we got five in this draft, so two and a half. I don't know. You really do do two and a half, but three you know, history says three will, will probably be busts here. So what are those three? I mean, do we think Zach Wilson falls in that? And obviously I don't want to predict anybody to be a bust. You know, I want them all to succeed. You know, these these guys mm-hmm. are living their dream. It's awesome. Uh, but it's just, it's just the reality of it, you know, not everybody that comes in is going to be successful. So in order to be a good fantasy player, you have to – kind of get ahead of the curve you want to identify those guys earlier than not so where does zach wilson fall on that two three split for you
3: Oof. i think depending on how the team keeps going he's gonna be fighting for the qb3 four spot overall which yeah if, it's not whoever
2: that qb3 is 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 the undecided one
3: yeah I think right now, like, I I think my main argument has been, like, I believe Justin Fields is going to get enough time on the field to show that he deserves a starting spot, and I think he's in a good situation. And so then, again, kind of of just alluded to it, situation. Like, which situations do I like the most? And, again, I want to bet on Lawrence's talent because his talent is just generational, it seems like, as far as, like, this dude has been hyped since high school and lived up to it, Right. I don't think I've really seen any times where he just really let down people on that part. Justin Fields, I think, is going to be right there at number two. And then so the third situation I like most is actually the 49ers. I I know Trey Lance is a super raw prospect, even more raw than Zach Wilson. but I think he's just got a good coaching staff that's willing to go the extra mile and make sure this offense fits him, plus being a super athlete as well. I think he's going to end up getting a lot of the rushing work that, makes quarterbacks fantasy relevant he might not be super useful as far as man this dude doesn't throw a ton but I think overall Trey Lance is probably going to be the quarterback three when it comes to fantasy if not fighting for a little bit higher finish based off where he is so I don't know it's it's not often you hear a lot of talk about the Jets and them really hyped and it just worries me because most teams that get hyped in the offseason don't always live up to it in the first season afterwards. I've so seen it with the Browns before, and we've seen it with other teams as well. So when it comes to Zach Wilson, I'm probably not going to be paying up for him because most of my picks didn't land in his range. I felt comfortable. And I just – I got some questions that need to be answered, so I'd rather pay up later if I think it's legit. Yeah, And I
0: think it's, you know, it's, it's fair to – to talk about the rushing upside of, of Trey Lance, obviously. And as much as the Niners gave up, like he's going to have a super long leash for a while, in my opinion, because of that rushing upside, because they gave up so much for him because they know he's a raw prospect. Um, I mean, Zach Wilson being the number two overall pick probably has a little bit longer of a leash maybe than say like Mac Jones and Justin Fields. I don't know, but I think, I think, you know with Trey Lance he's a guy I'm more comfortable investing in because of that rushing ability and because I do expect him to have a pretty long leash so that's kind of where I'm at with with that but you're right it's I mean I don't think all these quarterbacks are going to be you know success stories in the NFL so um with that we will wrap up our AFC East division preview we will uh, continue these throughout, you know, the off season as we lead into the season. But um, you know, remember in the meantime, head on over to ffballallday.com dot com where we're pumping out very consistent content. Head on over to our Patreon at patreon dot com backslash fantasy scouts, and we'll be back next week most likely with another division preview. Uh, so thank you for being here with us for the AFC East on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.